I'm Emily Booter, Managing Editor of No Film School, and this is the No Film School Podcast. Today on the show, we have filmmaker Alice Rohrwacher. She's the recipient of the Film Society of Lincoln Center, Jaget Lacoutes, Filmmaker in Residency Program. Last year, Andrea Arnold's American Honey was the product of this program. During her residency, Alice plans to develop her third feature, My Bitter Land, about the adventures of a man living on the margins of his society who can seemingly travel through time. Alice was born in Florence, Italy in 1981. Her first feature, Heavenly Body, premiered at Cannes Directors Fortnite in 2011 and was then selected for Sundance, New York Film Festival, London, Rio, and Tokyo Film Festivals. Her second feature, The Wonders, won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2014 Cannes Film Festival. Her work is characterized by an intimate and surreal sense of naturalism. That might seem like an oxymoron, but in her films it makes sense. They're organic, they're honest, and yet there's a twinge of fairy tale to them. So, um, if you if you wanted to just introduce yourself and 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 say why you're here, that would be great. Yes, <laughs> I so I'm. Alice Rovacher, uh, as I'm Italian, in fact, uh, maybe it's better to, my name is Alice Rovacher, and uh, I'm here because I get the uh, artistic residency from the New York Film Festival, and that uh, gives me the possibility to stay here six weeks, to write my next project and uh, to meet uh, if possible, people that can be involved in my next project or just to do nothing and take inspiration from this strange place that is New York. So what are the guidelines, if any, for the filmmaker in residency program? Basically, I think there are no rules. This is absolutely the most uh, important Thing that make me feel so happy to be here. Uh, there are no rules. Uh, they are really trying to help you if you need a director needs something uh, that can be helpful. Be in New York. I don't know to meet someone or actors or someone that is involved. I don't know for your next project. And they help you to make these things happen. And then, of course, uh, it's beautiful to be part of the New York Film Festival. So uh, probably you have a lot of time to spend by your own. But when the festival is on, I'm trying to go there as much as I can to see movies and directors. How do you think your writing process differs in this context in this context versus um, how you would write a film back in Italy I think uh, it's normal that when you are far away from something you can see better no we can see the hair earth from the moon better than when we are in the middle of the uh, continent so uh, of course go away from where you I'm leaving from where my story will be done. It's uh, a big help to look at the things from outside. And also, 
give you the possibility to make a space and when there is a space uh, there are other things that can grow when you because sometimes when you are too uh, close to something you don't let the things grow growing you know you just want to do your idea something but when you uh, go <laughs> a little bit far away and you let a space to things happen it's uh, very much inspiring i so what i'm writing now it's almost uh we <laughs> I call it, um, how do you say, how I can say, um, uh, come si chiama il fungo, il, uh, a mushroom movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mushrooms is something very special because you, you, you know, they grow after the, ra- the rain and, uh, and normally you don't find them, but when you find one, you can find a lot and they grow very fast. And I feel that I was really uh, thinking about this movie for a lot of time when I was in Italy, uh, imagining and telling me it's a disaster and blah, blah, blah. But just coming here, the mushroom grow. And so I'm trying to collect them. It's not so simple, they hide. (laughs) So, you grew up in the Italian countryside on a bee farm, actually, with your sister, Alba. And this setting would later become the basis of your con-winning film, The Wonders. So your childhood life must have been pretty isolating or isolated. How do you think this informed you as a person and as an artist? I think there are two basic uh, important feelings of my childhood that helped me to make this work. One probably is uh, the the fact to be an, an, an annoyed, how do you say, to don't, don't know what to do. Bored? Bored, <laughs> yes. When you are bo- bo- very boring time, no? So that I think is really an uh, important step to know about the boredom, to know that you have to pass through this to invent something or to feel something else so I the life was not so full and I think the other things very important that there is no separation between life and work that that is something that came from the countryside so life is working and working is living and so probably for me it was very difficult to imagine to do a work where I have my, I don't know, time, clock time. Like nine to five job. Yes, uh, and then I stop, I close my head and I go home and I, so basically I just knew it's not important which kind of work I want to do, but I want to do something that is a way of life with all the difficulties of this, because sometimes it's also very beautiful to stop. But uh, I mean, that that is, uh, I think that is something that came from the countryside life. Of course, uh, the, the wonders is not so close to my childrenhood, uh, maybe not so much as the people think. 
um, but uh, the word it's uh, very close to my word that word yeah, that is very much the ethos of filmmaking, that it's an all-encompassing endeavor once you decide to take it on. Um, so do you feel that when, as a filmmaker, you are always looking for inspiration or always working on a project in particular? Uh, <laughs> I I think that uh, you can't uh, really control the inspiration. And uh, sometimes... You know, we have different uh, desires. Sometimes we just are afraid to stay in the void and we want immediately to work in something else. But probably just if you really uh, go to the void, then something starts real again. So my, my inspiration, I don't know, it's of course there are some some places of the soul I like to go so of a lot of questions like what we do with our past uh, as humans not just my personal past and if it's possible to tell like to to tell the reality as a fairy tale if uh, it's possible to to go in a place that is after or before, I don't know, the psychology. So I would love, for example, to to find a way to do it, you know, to build words that are not a lot about uh, psychology, but more about uh, how we can uh, survive the reality uh, as a... With, with the imagination. It's interesting that you brought up the, the concept of boredom because I think that in our day and age, that's not a very commonplace thing. You know, everybody has the ability to, to turn on their phone and fill their mind with something at any given moment. So do you think that artists in general need to be more cognizant of creating space for, for boredom so that things can grow out of that? Of course, I think... Just, for example, going to the theater, it's a revolutionary moment uh, because you have to put off your phone. You have to be there all together <laughs> looking at something in silence. So it's a very, became a very important uh, ritual in our society because it's so different from everything. Um, I like uh, a lot movies that uh, give me the possibility to take a position by myself as audience, no? so that help me, that don't prepare everything for me. It's not like to have uh, to eat uh, a food that is all uh, already uh, eaten, no? but uh, to give uh, to see a movie that is uh, uh, something I have to to understand how to eat alone with my teeth and uh, I have to take a position and I have to think with my mind I like to be in that position as a audience so this is why I'm trying to do exactly the movies I would love to see so movies where maybe 
I they are not perfect. I I don't think they are like uh, powerful and perfect. They are very fragile, but they ask to the people to think with their mind. And this is uh, for me the beginning of a revolution when people can just know they have to think with their mind. No, they can't just eat and they have to make a digestion. <laughs> you don't like to spoon feed your audience. <laughs> yeah. What specific things do you do you put in your script or in your filmmaking in order to facilitate this? I I don't uh, think I'm so special and unique. So probably I just think I'm like millions of people. Uh, so if I make something that is somehow a real question for me or somehow it's really something I it's uh, I would love to know uh, probably there are other people like me uh, so this is maybe why I don't think I have to go in the direction of the audience just because I think I'm already audience so I, I I'm part of it and uh, I'm not racist, so I don't think the audience, the audience, it's like poor people that don't understand anything, and you have to feed them. I think uh, they are like me. So uh, I just try to start. I, I did just two movies, and always I tried to start from some question I really have, and uh, and to find a, a way to go through the question. Of course, probably I don't find an answer, but uh, it's more about the question about how we can grow or about the first movie was like about God. So just <laughs> the worst question you can have in your life uh, and the basic one probably. So I actually want to talk about your first film, Heavenly Body, which was nominated for a camera door at Cannes in 2011, right? Yeah. So how did that film get off the ground? That was my first film at in absol absolutely. So uh, before this movie, I was not thinking about being a director. And I did any short before, you know, short film. So... That was really a strange story, my story, because, in fact, I just was looking for a, a work, <laughs> <laughs> as I told you before, a work that uh, is also a life, so not just a work. But uh, I didn't uh, know so good about m movies, about cinema, because for many reasons. Uh, first of all, I didn't grow, uh, where I grow, there was not a cinema, the theater, so it's like, it's something that is not part of my life experience. I never had a camera, you know, all the directors say, ah, when I was a child, I had a camera. I never saw a camera in my life. I never saw a moving image of myself, or of someone of my family. I never saw nothing of all this. So my in I tried to do something that was I 
I like a lot of little things, but nothing. I was not good in nothing, no? I would like to paint, but I was not so good in painting. I like to make music, but I was not so good to make music. I like to... So I really didn't know. And, of course, images was always a big, uh, important thing on my life. So, and then I want to make, like, a documentary because I, I was trying to work in documentaries. And but I had a big problem because I was uh, I had sh shame to film uh, people in their life. I was feeling uh, very bad, like I was feeling that people are not true when they are in their own life because they have to show something of their own life. Once you put a camera on them, they're mm -hmm. not true. Yes, that I mean, I then I uh, that they have to show their life, and it was very difficult for me to go through this. So that fiction became a way to be more real, maybe, because I was feeling that in the fiction, the people can be free to be what they want, the, what what they imagine, what they want, they are more free because they don't have to uh, show that it's their life. Maybe you take a real catechist to do the catechist, maybe, but if it's a fiction, she's really free to to act, no? Uh, so I was thinking maybe I don't do a documentary, maybe I do a... I write a fiction. And so I met uh, my producer but in fact, he asked me uh, basically to, to, to write the fiction. And I was so sure that this movie will never happen because, you know, I never studied cinema. I never did a short. So I was sure that they will never give me the money to do it. So I was very, you know, calm. And, uh, and I really wrote, I don't know what I like. But then they really give us the possibility to do the movie. And uh, so I did the experience uh, with the first movie that was really first day of shooting, first day of seeing how this works. So when you got on set, that was the first time you'd ever been on a film set? Yes. That's incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. Of course, I, I lie. I didn't uh, tell to the people. I, I was <laughs> acting very sure of myself. I had a bi big problem that is just maybe a little bit funny because, you know, the continuity girl in our language, in our country is uh, segretaria di, edizio di edizione. But, so, I don't know, it was very simple to understand all the work of the people without asking, you know, with the time. But she just arrived the day before shooting and she introduced herself and said, I am the Segretaria di Dizione, very fast. So I didn't <laughs> understood very good what she said, but I was ashamed I, like, to ask. And I understood Segretaria di Dizione, uh, Secretary of Diction. So I thought maybe it's like a word that came from the fascism age, like they put someone to look during the movie, you don't say like bad words or, you know, 
like almost like a censorship yeah i was thinking that this is her job but of course after the few first few hours i understood her work and that was a big uh, of course uh, and i just discovered work that is wonderful and then i i tried to really do it was there anything that surprised you about the filmmaking process just being thrown into the fire like that Everything was so surprising. I just thought it's the most beautiful work of the world. Uh, to see all these people there waiting to make something happen in a natural way, something that will never happen in a natural way, but you have to do it naturally. I don't know if it's clear in English. So I was like, I want to cry. Like I was so touched by the situation to, to see all these workers there waiting, I don't know, for a smile or <laughs> waiting for something so little of, about humans, no? Uh, to make an emotion really happen and to take care of it, putting lights and I just thought, how is possible this is really a work? I don't know, <laughs> I was very surprised. <laughs> um, what were some of the the major things that you learned about filmmaking from being on that first set? The, I think the lesson is just uh, I understood that you really that just through love you can go to knowledge, and uh, I probably had some problems with some people or actors and immediately this is something that stay forever in your movie so it's very important to do a movie with great people people you like people you love because if you don't love one of them uh, it's immediately go forever <laughs> in in be in the impression in the movie so i understood that how long is the process and how difficult is the process to not judge that is uh, not something that comes natural it's a really a process it's very important and so i understood basically i understood that, that you have to work with beautiful people <laughs> i don't know if it's a question uh, answer Filmmaking is one of the most collaborative mediums in the world, and I think that that is the biggest takeaway for any any given filmmaker. That you know, you have to feel like your set is your family. Yes, because uh, that that's for for real. Because if then when you the movie is finished, you can see everything. It's like um, una velina, a veil of the process. So the process, it's really part of the movie. Uh, in the in this cinema, more than the artist, the process, I think it's the most important uh, part. Yeah, the process is also you, like you were saying, it's writ large on screen. You can you can see the fabric of what went into making the film while you're watching it. Mm -hmm. So you have to put a lot of care and thought into that. Um, so your 
The film Heavenly Body had a very strong mood and atmosphere, and it was very visual. How did you communicate this this visual style to your cinematographer? So I just work with the best cinematographer of all the world. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the most I, when you don't know what to do, I think you have always to be honest. No, so this is uh, why it's beautiful to not know what to do because it's the moment where you have to be like more honest with yourself. So I didn't know what to do and I just thought that was very important to be part of the movie, to be inside, to not hide, to not be a camera, a hidden camera, but to be really there and to be alive. And we as the music, as the other actors, we are also actors. Now the image, it's another actor. So we were working with uh, the camera on, on her, not, but trying not to move too much. I mean, not to make a complicated uh, movement, to be more precise and, uh, and also to breathe you know, to brief, to understand uh, how to brief with them. And so we were working, you know, we work uh, normally very, we're very, very close and we just don't do a lot. We feel we shoot in film always and we don't do a lot of, like we just uh, decide few, few shootings and we try to take our responsibilities of being someone there looking at something. Do you, do you have any visual references that you use to communicate a mood or an atmosphere? A reference, it's always a very dangerous point uh, of the interview because uh, they, they are a lot. And always when you talk about one, you forget about the other one. And also because if they are really reference, you don't know, you, you, they are already part of your memory. So involuntary memory almost, you know. I don't know. I saw, of course, the, all the Italian cinema and, and of course it's uh, already part of my, story of my head, of my memory. I didn't saw it very when I was little, but I saw after, no, at the university. So they are reference, but I don't think you have the time to think about reference when you are shooting. Sometimes it's <laughs> the most funny things that, that you see the reference after, or maybe you even don't know and someone else see the reference for you. Yeah, and that's a, that's an entirely new level of audience engagement. You know, the ability to put your film in the context of cinema history and then come up with something unique. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so let's return to your film, The Wonders, which was your 2014 Cannes sophomore feature. So you, you worked with your sister, Alba, and in an interview I read that you said this was a dangerous thing to work with her. What did you mean by that? Because she know me, I can't act uh, nothing in front of her. You know, she she's part of my soul. <laughs> 
So, you know, to work with your sister, it's really a big, beautiful decision, uh, but it's also dangerous. It's uh, the beautiful things is that is someone with whom you can uh, have a, a big contrast. You are free to 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 make a war because you are sure about the love, so sure that you can be very bad each other, no? Because you don't have to show that you love this person. You already know there are no pretenses. Yeah. And uh, but uh, of course, what's very was big uh, revelation to work with her because it's so beautiful to work with someone that already know, you know. I don't know. Uh, I have an imagination of being a mother, for example. And also, if we are different, we are sisters. So our idea of the mother is the same. So I didn't ha have to explain everything. She already knew. She played the mother in your film, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So you had the same you had the same idea of what a mother might be like. Yeah, because for example, no, or how just I don't know, also very simple things. How she I don't know, how she washed the <laughs> the things, no, how she entered in the door. It's, you know, very simple gestures that are very important and normally when you work with actors you have to explain no i would love you do like this like this but with her it was just revelation of uh, what i told and i think also she's big help because she's a very good actress but she's also very generous that is not always like this so on a similar note Most of the cast of that film were non-actors, right? I mean, it was a big mixture. Uh, of course, there was the uh, dancer. The father is basically a dancer. Then there was theater actors. Then uh, Alba, that, uh, it's a theater and cinema actress. Then there was the children, that was no actors, of course, and uh, a star. Monica. So working with the children, um, was it, since, since they're non-actors, they do have that natural ability that you were talking about with Alba, where, you know, their gestures are coming from an, a very organic place. Um, how did you shape them as actors beyond that? I, I, I like mixture. I mean, I like hybrid, you know, I think that if there is something pure, it's in the mix. <laughs> I don't know if makes sense in English. So uh, I like to see how people have to find a way to go one of the direction of the others from so different words. So I think the child, the children, help somehow the actors to be in an emergency situation, so to be more true because they are there, no? <laughs> they are so like this. And uh, the actors help the children to believe in this game because uh, to take it seriously, uh, mostly not with the, mostly with the children that are in between, you know, eight and 
eleven <laughs> because they feel like a shame a lot. So to see an actor that is an adult but uh, play this game, it's very important for them too. I mean, I like to work with children that are normally very independent, so very terrible, uh, that never do what you ask, but they are safe f from from the life, I don't know. <laughs> they won't do anything too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they will not. I like when they are independent and when they don't do exactly what you want and it's always a battle to arrive to do something but I feel happy for them I feel happy to know that they don't uh, think we are gods or you know we are going to change their life we are they are going to change my life not it's not an me. interaction yeah so you keep returning to this idea of of shame in filmmaking and I think that's really interesting because it does have a different function in documentary and in narrative. So what do you think the relationship is between a filmmaker and this idea of shame? I think it's a big question, mostly because shame, I don't think it's the good word in English. I'm sorry, my vocabulary dictionary will say it's very limited. I'm talking not about the shame that came from, like... Uh, judgment absolutely not this so not I have no this shame it's more about the pudore I don't know how it's the word in English it's modesty but I don't modesty it's a different word in Italy I don't know you don't have to show everything I think you don't have to to sales <laughs> everything no there, there there is something that is a power a mystery and it's important to keep it so this is what about is the shame i'm talking for example i make you an example i don't know i have this problem when there is something for example very beautiful no i live to do the wonders somehow was complicated because uh, we live in a region that many times is there are a lot of very beautiful places and I, I make you a practical example that is more simple for me uh, there is a scene in the wonders where the family go and keep the bees from a tree and uh, we uh, were thinking about uh, where to sh shoot this scene and there is a place I love so much and is an um, abandoned church in the middle of the countryside close to my house a very strange church it's like a Pasolinian place full of I don't know full of nostalgia and full of uh, a lost world so I loved so much and I really want to shoot there. So it was not so simple because you have to convince a free animal that are the bees to go exactly in that tree. And I can't explain how it was difficult because, you know, it's a nature thing. So you have to do by force. But finally, we convinced the bees to move to the tree just in front of the church. 
So we were ready to shoot and we start. And I could say start because the church was so beautiful. I feel this kind of shame, no? Like I'm just using that beauty to be part of my movie, but she's not a part. She has to be the protagonist of something. She can't be a part of an image or she's just the protagonist of the frame or I don't have to show her because I have to respect this beauty. I can't use this beauty to do my dirty job. So <laughs> that was very strange because we moved all the set in the back of the tree, so the other side. So we shoot all the scene with the beautiful, incredible, beautiful church in our back. But for example, this is a normal situation where I find myself many times. So what to do that to respect the fact that who is the protagonist of the image, no? So to not use something else just because it's helpful from an artistic point of view. So it seems that, that you're very cognizant of not appropriating um, the represent, you know, you have a very specific relationship to representation and you don't want to exploit or appropriate your subject. You want to, you want them to exist in their own realm out um, but you want you also want to capture their natural spirit and and not present a polished version of them for your art. Yeah, I think there is a word that is very people are very afraid right now, but I really like it. It's a very important word for me that is symbol symbol. I don't know why we hate this word normally in the society. like we think a symbol, it's a metaphor, but it's not a metaphor. In fact, you know, it's really the opposite of in etymologic, in etymology, I studied this, so it's the opposite of a devil, because uh, diavolo came from diaballo, that means separation. So it's analysis, separation, and symbolo means shunballo, it's putting things together. So it's just an image that immediately helped me to go to another image. But what is important for me, so I really like a symbol, but what is important that, that for me this, to be a real symbol, have to came from, from, ba da from down, how do you say? From have the ground up? Grow from down. So uh, I ate. Uh, symbolism when came from the sky, you know, just uh, ah, I want to make a scene about, uh, you know, can be the same scene. I don't know. I want to make a scene where we understand she grow and she pass to the other side. You know? So I make a tunnel full of water and she pass. Or you find a tunnel full of water and uh, you say, ah, let's uh, shoot this scene. And then you understand that it's a symbol of something else. So I think as we work, all the symbology that is very important, it's like a secret. It's not something we know exactly when we when I write or when we shoot. You can't force it. You have to yeah. let it happen organically. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of working. I think that 
in in this day and age, you know, many Hollywood blockbusters do like to to exhibit overwrought symbolism and imagery. And I think that the beautiful thing about your films is that it does feel as if it's like life. You know, you don't see the symbolism in the moment, but a couple of minutes later, as you know, you put everything into context and something else happens, you see how that image fits into the story and the narrative that it takes on in and of itself. I hope. <laughs> so how do you retain this? Because you seem to be very, you seem to very much cherish the independent spirit. And um, oftentimes I think it's difficult for filmmakers to work within a very constructed industry with, you know, a lot of money and a lot of pretenses and um, a framework in which you have to think about where your film's going to end up and who's going to buy it. Um, how do you retain this independent spirit within your process? I'm just poor. <laughs> so there is no, I don't have this problem. I don't have nothing. I don't have a house. I don't have, you know, so I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> Completely untethered. Yeah. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, everything is possible. Uh, as I said already before, I don't think I'm so special. And this is the beginning of a big, <laughs> of a big revolution, mental revolution. Sorry, I use this word so much, but it's a very important word because I don't think that uh, I, there is not a, audience for a different film. Uh, I think there is a lot of audience. The problem is how to reach them, but there is. So I think we can do a, a lot to, to find a way. <laughs> <laughs> what do you wish you saw more of in films when you go to the theater as an audience member? What I would love to see, uh, I think there are you know moments for everything. Of course, I like to go out from the theater with something open in my heart, you know, like that I have, I had an experience, I already un not n understand if it's a sad, happy, if it's creative, if it's, uh, you know, something I have to elaborate going home and that keep time to explode, no? The, the most important movies I saw are not movies I went out and I immediately, immediately can say, wow, incredible, crazy, amazing. Normally it's a movie, I, it's still open in my heart. So this is the most important feeling I need. And I think it's, uh, mostly important now like we just uh, you know clap to not not normally we clap to things that we recognize immediately no so i'm thinking about contemporary art or uh, all the people like something recognize immediately uh, but it's also beautiful to like something you don't know immediately what it is that you have to reckon with. Yeah. So this is what I like to see. I think it's an important lesson for filmmakers to 
think about themselves as part of the audience and and to speak to themselves because it it facilitates more of a, an honest f- process of filmmaking. So I think you've done a really good job of that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alice, for coming in and sharing everything with us today. And thank you, listeners, for listening today. If you liked what you heard, you can rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your preferred podcast listening platform. We'll see you on Thursday for Indie Film Weekly. 